Welcome to episode 123 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hadfield, and today we have a Lonely Mountain Ultra special, uh, a race many of us went and participated in just a couple of weeks ago in beautiful Orange. Uh, we get the chance to chat with race director Scott Hazelton and a quick debrief of a very successful race and uh, what he thought some of the highlights of the weekend were, of which there were plenty. We then had the opportunity to chat with a 104-kilometre race winner, Anna Pillinger, who is an Aussie representative over the 100K distance and an amazing athlete, uh, very new to the sport, but certainly producing big things from Anna. Uh, so we'll chat to her first. And then also the opportunity to chat with an extremely quick runner in Leo Peterson, who took out the 32-kilometre uh, event at the Lonely Mountain Ultra in an incredible time of two hours 21, which was just uh, so, so quick, in fact, that they, they thought he might have taken a couple of shortcuts. So we'll, we'll chat to Leo about the ins and outs of just how you uh, get up and down the mountain that quickly. Uh, so a couple of great great athletes. In fact, Leo is a multiple Australian representative in mountain running, so an, an incredible record uh, so far. But once again, forging his way through the sport and predicting big things from Leo. Uh, quick apologies for the sound quality of Leo's interview. He, he works in on Garden Island as a boat mechanic and we think there may have been a few uh, technical difficulties over that way. So a little bit scratchy, but still worth listening to. Leo is a great story and, and, and a very humble athlete. Um, special thanks go out to Ranulla and their continued support of the podcast. Uh, encourage you all to go get on down and chat with Sean and Jen. Uh, we'll jump online and, and, and order some stuff from Ranala. They'll, they'll certainly give you a discount if you mention the, the podcast. Without further ado, we'll get Scott on the line. Enjoy. Okay. I've got with me Scott Hazelton, ch- champion race director of the Lonely Mountain Ultra. How are you, mate? Howdy with that intro. I'm even better than I was 10 seconds ago. Yeah, re- really good. Uh, great to have a chat about the race. Thanks for having yeah, me on. mate. Mate, we, we had an absolute ball up in Orange. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that everyone who towed the line had the same experience, mate. How have you recovered yourself? Yeah. Um, so it, it was such a great feeling, mate. Like on Sunday, I sort of had this feeling that we didn't want it to end, whereas last, the first time we did it, it was sort of we were just all falling over the line because it was the first time uh, trying to get this this crazy idea through and, and sorted. So, yeah, Sunday we just... The committee had a great feeling and a sense of accomplishment and just so much positive vibes and uh, all the feels, as they say. So, yeah, sort of, <laughs> I think everyone's in a bit of mourning, you know. you know. After you put on a big event like that, you work so hard for so long and then you're sort of thinking, oh, there's, there's not much we can do in the, in the next little while. So you sort of miss miss the busyness, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the runner gets the post-race blues. I'm sure the race director gets exactly the same scenario. I think you're right. I didn't expect it. Like you, you sort of think sometimes you're out the back marking a trail or something, or it's late, or you're just trying to juggle work and everything, and you think, "Why am I doing this?" And then, uh, yeah, you miss it when it's done. So, uh, look out for next year, mate. Look, talking about the enormous amount of work in the lead up. Seriously, how how many hours were you putting in in the last few weeks? It's got to be a second job at that point. Yeah, I think so. I'm lucky. Um, so as you know, I'm a school teacher. Um, and so part of the timing of Lonely Mountain works well for me as race director because I'm in that 
that term breaks in the spring. So that's a bit deliberate. Uh, so I can really just give, I can back end a lot of work in that last week before the race. So if you imagine race week, um, I can just be really present. Um, so that week, oh, look, race week might have done, before the weekend, probably had done about 50 hours. Yeah, and then right. the weekend the weekend doesn't stop. But, mate, to be honest, that's beaten by some of the committee. Like the president, Sam, has just worked tirelessly uh, with a really long run-up, just mm. organising everything. And I don't know. That's one of the most impressive things, like the amount of time people put in to these things just out of the goodness of their heart. Like trail running community, how good. Um, yeah, a lot of work, but so worth it. Yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm glad, glad to hear it's worth it because, you know, we just rock up and, and have a run and a couple of beers and, you know, it's like it never happened. But I'm sure it's uh, six to 12 months in the in the making for you guys. And, yeah, so and talk- quite, I do that as well, 364. Oh, not quite a couple. Any other race, I'm exactly that. I just go as the consumer and enjoy all the goodwill of people. So uh, I don't mind. Uh, being on the other side of the fence, yeah. Giving, giving back, mate. You're a good man. <laughs> t- t- talking about the, uh, you know, the, the timing there. The orange turn on an absolute cracker. The weather was amazing for running, mate. Yeah, look, you're right. I think you got to nail the right part of year. And gee, we got away with it, Hattie. Only last Saturday, I was out there doing a bit of last minute pack up. So a week after. And Orange had an unusually warm day when I said it. it only hit 26. So it's not like Western Sydney or like the Sydney Marathon kind of heat wave. But just standing in the field where that finish arch was, packing up a bit more gear with the sweat running off you in the middle of the day, um, wasn't the day just cracking for running. It was pretty hard on the volunteers, a bit blowy up top, pretty cold, but um, it, perfect for running. Yeah, about four degrees at the start of the start of the race, and then some delightful twenty degrees sunshine to kick back and have one of those mountain culture beers at the finish line. Just the one, Hattie. Oh, he was very generous. I've got to say the uh, the bloke behind the bar. Um, Kyle, what got a legend! With, might have got yeah. away with a couple of freebies. Um, I think Judge Stewart might have held the record on that day at at, a, at an even five. So. Uh, oh. It's really got some mileage out of the boys at Mountain Culture. <laughs> Shout out to them. Hey, wasn't he a legend? He just set up and, and just looked after everyone. And and long after that big, the busyness of the day had passed and, you know, a lot of the people that were in the shorter distances or the, the earlier runners, you know, he still left us with this massive bucket of slushy, ice-cold beers. And every runner, even at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning on the Sunday, they were still getting their, their finisher beer and, and heading off with a smile. It was great. That's outstanding. Yeah, great support. And, and and great support from the local community across the board, actually. I think everyone got themselves a, uh, a a real fire service snag and checked out the cargo road tent at the same time. It had it all. Yeah, it did. It, it sort of stepped up a lot this year. And I think uh, with the numbers that we're getting there, you know, if you've got a 1,000 athletes and at least a support person or a family for each one, there's a significant sort of festival feel for local vendors to sell their stuff and have a good morning. So it was, it was a good feel that morning, wasn't it, before all the waves ran out? It was, mate. It was amazing vibe. Um, and, and talking about uh, those numbers, so this is year two for the Lonely Mountain Ultra and you said you had a 1,000 runners. Um, what what yeah. did that come up from from year one? Yeah, so 2022, uh, we were hovering around that 700 runner mark. Uh, for those that remember... Um, UTA 
had had a difficult year and they delayed. That was the year they delayed and they had to do an out and back course and a lot of the, their course was impact. And so our original weekend, they then chose. Obviously, they didn't know. They were doing, they're just the big fish. We were our, the first ever kind of go and have a run in Orange. So we madly had to scratch around and go, where can we find another weekend? Um, and so we came forward before that. Uh, mm. And so we, we were competing um, a little bit with UTA uh, mm. because obviously if you, you know commit as as you do for a massive sort of A-list a race like UTA, then um, you're not going to back up from a lonely mountain two weeks earlier. So mm. I think that contributed a little bit. We were stoked with 700, mate. Don't get me wrong. I couldn't believe that we got that many. But, uh, yeah, going, to go north of 1,000 was pretty rewarding this year. And, of course, we weren't directly competing. This was the slot we always wanted. And part of my thinking around the timing, apart from getting a good weather window in orange, was um, with the way the calendar is now, I think if UTA sits in May, a lot of people that um, go to that race, it's not that different to come out to orange. There's enough recovery time there, maintain your fitness. And if you think you want to get going again in the back half of winter and go and do another race, mid-October is a pretty good time. And especially for those people that are thinking they might want to go and do a UTA, a Lonely Mountain, and then the Cozzy. Um, it, I think that's sort of three nice uh, races with good timing for people to build. And if people think they want to do the miler, you know, I could see them do the 50K UTA, the the 50-mile Lonely Mountain, uh, and then go for the miler at Cozzy. So that's part of our thinking. It's wedged in nicely. And I think the way things are moving, you'll uh, become the big fish and the UTA might be the warm-up for the Lonely Mountain Ultra, mate. Mate, now we're talking. I'm with you. Look yeah, at that. Yeah, mate, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know so much as a you know, big fish at all. I think you, I think you got them covered. Yeah. <laughs> mate, there, there was some pretty strong support from uh, Sydney and in particular down my way, the Sutherland Shire. Did a, a few people jump on the Running Matters podcast uh, discount code? Yeah, look, there's... There's an issue here, Hattie, i got to tell you. We're pretty excited by the support. So uh, I just reached out to Mitch, my uh, my entries guy. Um, he's just got back to me, hot off the press. The most used entry code for Lonely Mountain Ultra was the Running Matters podcast code. Uh, yeah. Well ahead of uh, other big organisations like Aura and Running Mums and other great supporters. So, mate, 51 listeners. I'm sure they're all listeners. They hopped on the code and got the 10% discount and came up. And, Outstanding. Um, we're really grateful for the support, mate, and a bit of their time and, and happy to give that discount code. But we were just saying before off air, we're going to have to come up with a more creative one for next year and make sure they've all listened to get the new code, I think. I think we will, mate. I think just the true believers. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you want, mate. Uh, very good. I'm glad it was well well used. Uh, I tell you what, one of the highlights for me about the race was being able to start and finish on your old man's farm and, mm. and the flexibility that that entailed. Like we could just hang out right at the finish line on the grass and there was no one to tell us otherwise. It was It was an amazing spot. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you picked up on that. Like, he, the old man's just a great fella, and uh, he, he's. Uh, I was talking to um, our local member uh, was out there, and uh, I was having a chat to him, and he was saying it's really rare these days. Landowners are more than ever, sort of a little bit. You know, they're, they're pulling back a bit. People don't like having people come on their farms. You know, you got working machinery, cattle, sheep, whatever it is, and uh, machinery sheds, and and Phil Donato who came and did the thirty two said, uh, this is really unique. You know, your dad just seems so relaxed and chilled about it and he just loves people and he, he loves letting people come and use the, the farm for, for an event that people are outdoors enjoying the mountain that he loves. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really nice. 
It is very cool, mate. It was uh, very unique, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it was well received. And so, yeah. I mean, the way it's all set up was three different loops, like a 50k, a 32k, and a 22k loop. I personally had a crack at the 32 this time. What do you consider to be the more challenging of the three loops? Surely the 32k. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll flip it in a minute if you don't mind. I'll get your race report. I know um, you don't usually get to be on the receiving end of questions, so I'll throw some at you. Um, yeah, okay. So if you're new to trail running, obviously the longer you go, the more the you probably fear it. You know, um, uh, you you and I have both done a hundred event. Have you done a miler yet, Hattie? I haven't done a miler. Have you done one? No, mate. I enjoy my sleep too much. Yeah. To do a miler. Um, yeah. I like to be in bed by the time the footy's on. Yeah, so if someone says miler to me, I immediately fear the distance. Like, mm. you know, if you've done a, a couple of hundreds like we have in the 100 kilometres, you think, well, it's just all about that distance and time on your feet, I'm, I don't know, maybe one day. So I think I think for people that are new, obviously the 50K you'd say is the most challenging loop because they're worried about the distance. But I think in terms of um, elevation uh, compared to distance and the variability of the trails. I do think the 32K loop in the direction you had to run it this year is probably the hardest um, because you run out of the village and then you just straight onto the hardest route to the top and they, they, that's some pretty serious climbing. And you don't get much reprieve because you descend on single track and then you drop down Federal Falls, which is techie trail, and then you've got another pretty serious climb. And then you, I think you probably get sucked into the fire trail and you might let it open up a bit. And suddenly you've got this thing called wombat, uh, which kicks you in the teeth again. And and I think by then, if, if you've gone a bit hard, which you never do early, um, <laughs> but I, I imagine the finish off is tough. So I reckon 32 loop bang for buck is a real challenge. So let me flip it. Uh, give us a bit of a race report. We'll break it down. Uh, how'd you find the first? So it's about nine k's to the top. How'd you find that first section of climbing right to the top? Yeah, mate, I actually really enjoyed the first climb. It was definitely challenging, but it was a pretty honest climb out of the blocks. So um, nothing ever ridiculously steep, but just consistently on the way up. So I, I, I thought that played into my uh, my wheelhouse of just slowing me down at the start rather than let me be ridiculous. So no, I appreciated the way that started, but. It was a challenge and um, we, we were unlucky enough to get some foggy action at the top. So we didn't quite get the views out over Canobolis that I was expecting, but it was kind of like being, you know, in the, in the mountains anywhere. It was, it was amazing, you know, misty yeah. mountain hop. Very cool. Yeah. Now, and um, then, what, what was your shoe choice? What, what were you running in on the day? Oh, I was in some Salomon Pulsars. Yeah. I've sort of been, Rocking these for the shorter trail races for a couple of years. They're crazy, crazy light. So good for yeah. the hills. Um, and not so much for the for... bomb and the D down the hill, but uh, definitely on the way up. Yeah. Yeah, good. And tell me, uh, were you able to run that whole ascent? Like in terms of runnability, people that say do six foot or stuff, you know, something like that, they'll often talk about where they strategically walk. This was a, a hill straight out of the blocks. Could you run the whole lot? Oh, look, I mean, I'm pretty sure I ran vast majority of it. Um, yeah, but just tapping away up the hill, nothing ridiculous. Yeah. Nothing like yeah. our uh, friend of the show, Leo Peterson, who came in in two hours and 21 minutes for the 32K. He must have been running about four-minute Ks up that thing. Um, but we'll get to ask him in a couple of days' time, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, gotta tell, I felt a bit bad because um, he was that quick that I thought there must have been a mistake. 
Um, so I was still on the mic calling people across the line. And and I, I, I knew in my head what I thought was going to be a pretty hot time for that course. And he was so far in front of that. When I saw his bib come over, I thought, no, he must have the wrong bib or something or other. And it was just <laughs> that time was electric, wasn't it? it was, I think that'll stand for a while. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> was it, it, sorry, was there any <laughs> thought in your head that he might have uh, might have found a little shortcut there? <laughs> mate, I did do a very quick Strava check because if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen and uh, made it all lines up. So. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. But, yeah, bloody uh, so then, Off the top for you, mate, down the tech, around the loop, we call it Fed Falls before you get to the next aid station. How would you find that section? Yeah, yeah, mate, I... My eyes are not the best, so I was uh, I was scared for my safety and life running down that thing. But it was amazing, yeah, a great <laughs> descent, a great descent. I, I, yeah, that's that's where I burn a few mini candles, I think, just by pure anxiety and fear. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, that was, that, was, that was amazing down the down the bottom of the falls, very, very picturesque and yeah, beautiful single track for running on. It was it was very cool. Yeah, actually. You dropped 400 vertical metres in that descent, which is crazy. Mm. You've, you've taken a while, sort of 9Ks, to get about 600, and within a few Ks, you've just dropped, and there's a lot to come back up. Yeah, it, it, it took me a while to actually take a deep breath. That's for sure. You're, you're holding on to the diaphragm pretty hard at that point, so not a lot of oxygen getting in the tank. <laughs> yeah, and, and give me Wombat. What, what do you think about Wombat? Yeah, mate, I actually enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I was ready for a hike by then. Uh, so yeah that was that was hike worthy um yeah that that was like uh iron pot i suppose from the ultra trail course but i don't know three times longer than iron pot i suppose (laughs) it's similar sort of terrain and similar sort of gradient so yeah i wouldn't want to be facing up to it 60ks into a race or whatever the guys doing the 100k uh had to deal with but at 20ks or so it wasn't so bad yeah Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I did actually come a cropper not too long after that. I think potentially in front of your good wife. I uh, looked up and saw some volunteers bibs and and just rightly stacked head over turkey. Got up in front of them and uh, dusted myself off and kept going. <laughs> there was a couple of a uh, couple of very trippy rocks out there. That, that was my only you know suggestion. You should clear a couple of those guys out. Yeah, a couple of snipers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Caroline did mention a couple of gumbies seem to fall straight over, but uh, yeah, mate, next time. Yeah. Stop right. looking at my life, Daddy, while you're running and keep your eyes on the trail, mate. What is this? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> little, little did I know she'd be reporting back to you, mate. But, uh, <laughs> mate, what were, apart from Leo, what, what were some of your uh, performances of the weekend, mate? Who, who, who do you think performed out of their skin? Yeah, so look, the um, the 11K, you guys were out there when the 11K came home. Um, again, the, the the age on the podium was unbelievable, mate. They were just kids. Um, young fella, Pat, who'd come up from Canberra, absolutely smoked the 11K. Again, I couldn't believe he was back already. Um, you know, featherweight, uh, whip it, just ran like the wind. Uh, and he won with daylight to spare, this kid. Uh, he was just great to watch. Um, so that was really exciting. And then the podium was filled with... Uh, I think it was an under 18s exclusive podium uh, mm-hmm. in the 11. Um, so that was really exciting. Kids race selling out. That was a great celebration. Good time there and, and seeing them run around and do their own little mountain. Um, but look, I, 
I'm torn a bit seeing Gerald come back and win the 104 for the second time. Um, he kilometer 103 when we tracked him in on the drone, he was running at three minute 40 pace. In um, <laughs> <laughs> his last K, I mean, that is just mind boggling. Um, so little G with the bucket hat getting it done again. Um, for yeah. those that don't know, he helped uh, launch the whole thing when it was just a concept and he was out there on that very first day where we all sort of got out in the mountain and just dreamed big. Um, so to see him come back and make it his priority race was pretty special. Um, but equal to that, to see Anna Pillinger, um, the way she raced it all day, I, I saw her come through the transition tent uh, on both occasions and she was so composed, totally in control, uh, just put the race together perfectly. Mm. And uh, we'd never had a female finisher of the race before. And then she came in just over 12 hours in full daylight. And again, mm. we, we picked her up on the drone uh, and we were able to call her in, which was just so exciting. And it, just to see her get in in such good shape and get it done and, and all the excitement around having the female podium filled was just unreal. Yeah, very good. I'm looking forward to having a chat with Anna. She's a tremendous athlete from from that results page, that's for sure. Mm. Mm. And uh, yeah, Gerald. Gerald's been a friend of the show. He's, he's a good fellow. He, he looked good out there in uh, in the bucket hat, didn't he? Yeah, just got it done. Um, just a genuine thoroughbred runner. Hey, like when you watch him, he's built for it. You know, he comes up to about my hip, um, <laughs> weighs as much as two mountain cultures, and uh, just gets it done. Yeah, he was he was great. He's as you say, such a good fellow and. So humble, you know, it's really hard to drag words out of him. Um, he's just grateful to be there and enjoys his time, so it's great. Yeah, I uh, I had the misfortune that I had to make the call whether to drag him on the line for my 32Ks after he'd already done 50 and with 54 still to go. I thought, oh, I've just got to get around this bloke. He's a... <laughs> <laughs> so I felt pretty good for about three and a half seconds and then, you know, nice. realised who it was. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for the toe, Gerald. Yeah, nice. um, yeah. So, mate. Anyway, con- congratulations on putting an incredible event together. Uh, everyone who I've spoken to has uh, spoke spoken in amazing terms about the whole experience. Orange, the town, plus the Lonely Mountain Ultra was was a big win. Um, and so we're lucky enough to have, be having a chat to a few of the, the the great athletes from from the weekend: Anna Pillinger, Luke Clifton, Leo Peterson. Um, and so we'll, we'll yeah get on Anna shortly. But uh, yeah, got a couple of great athletes to talk to over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I look forward to hearing their their recap and and uh, just getting to know them more broadly in terms of races beyond the Lonely Mountain. So I can't wait for that episode to drop. I'll be one of the first to listen. Very good, mate. All right, well, I'll let you get back to our. Uh, all things orange, you deserve a good rest, mate. Yeah, and look, a little shout out to your listeners too that uh, we're definitely coming back next year. Uh, so put us in your calendar. Uh, we'll do an official date release soon. It'll be really similar to the weekend uh, that we've just had. Uh, I won't say it's going to be that exact weekend, but it's going to be very, very close in that October period. Uh, and uh, one possibly very exciting announcement to come with that date release too. So stay tuned and we'll, we'll release the news here when we can, eh? Okay. Jump on the socials and uh, keep listening to the podcast. Simple. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. No worries, Scotty. Speak to you soon, mate. Well done. See you, mate. Okay. Welcome to the show. Hannah Pulinger, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, no, no, not at all. Congratulations on winning the Lonely Mountain Ultra 104K. Thanks. Yeah. And how have you recovered? Um, actually, really well. Yeah, it's probably the best I've pulled up after a race of that distance, I think. So pretty happy with that. That's that's impressive. It was about what 4,000 metres of elevation gain and loss there that day. So challenging um, course. Yep, it was. It was, I think the most I've ever done in a race before is probably just over 2,000 metres of elevation. So, yeah, it was a okay. big jump up. So, so significantly different there. Um, what what was the uh, the catalyst to jumping on such a hilly ultra? Um, being honest, I didn't realise it was that hilly until, <laughs> until I'd entered and, and it was done. I think it was coming off a year where I'd done a lot of, like, flat road and track races this kind of cropped up and it's like yeah it looks fun weekend in orange will be good didn't really kind of look at the elevation until yeah nearer the time <laughs> that's right it's a diving in the deep end I love that that's good not known is probably useful <laughs> useful and yeah. and so you you won a pretty uh intriguing trophy have you used the chopping board trophy yet I haven't no no trying to figure out what to use it for i don't want to don't want to damage it like stain uh, it or, um, straight to, straight to the pool room for that one i'm sure yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I noticed you had uh tom and the kids up in orange with you do they tend to travel around to, to a bunch of your races uh not that many i kind of try and keep it try and get the balance between kind of yeah not boring them with it obviously it's it's a long day out 100k mm takes a while it's a long day for the kids um so they haven't actually I think they've only ever been to one probably only one race before that was the world champs in Berlin um which was another very long day out um but this one you know reasonably close to home um just thought I'd bring them along they look like they're having fun on the grass out there at the farm yeah and it was awesome like it was such a good setup for them and yeah it was close to town so they could come and go it was it was a good one it was a good one definitely yeah we've spoken to uh scott hazelson he's done a very impressive job on them yeah the lonely mountain ultra um how i guess did you find the the track out there the course um yeah yeah overall loved it um like i said earlier i don't i didn't really know what to expect um the first I thought the first 50Ks, I guess, was gave me a bit of a false sense of security, um, you know, especially in the first probably 30, 35 wide fire trails, kind of no really steep ups and downs. Um, but as it went on, yeah, it's pretty challenging. I think the, the 32K loop was, in my opinion, by far the hardest. Um, it was fun, but it was it was tough going, some of those those uphills were yeah pretty so was that uh from 50 to 82 k's for you yeah Yeah, okay so I guess it's a it's a difficult part of a 100k race typically anyway and then they throw some some pretty steep and long hills in front of you how were you feeling at that point oh I was feeling pretty good I think I didn't realize like I really hadn't done my research I didn't realize as I was coming back from the 50 to the race hub that I had to go back up the same way. So I was like, oh, you know, it's just a nice stretch of downhill, not realizing that I was literally going to turn around and go straight back up it again. And it was mm-hmm. lots of fun. 
going back up it. Um, it's about 9Ks of climbing, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I don't know what it's called, right up to the summit, the power line or pipeline part is, yeah, really steep. And at one point, the sweepers for one of the other races were coming down and they kind of said, why are you going up here? And I was like, uh, am I going the wrong way? Or, <laughs> um, But no, I was feeling pretty good. My goal was to pace it sensibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Simone said to me, when I see you at 50K, I want you looking really relaxed. And, you know. And you were? 50K is in your was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was. So. Okay. Oh, it's, it's impressive. Um, so talking about following that race plan, it sounds like you did get it right in Orange. Um, when has it gone the other way for you in terms of not sticking to that plan? Quite a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably the most noticeable would have been Ultra Trail Cozy last year, last December. Um, just completely went out way too fast way too hard I think within the first 20ks I was running with a guy I looked down at my watch and I was running like 420 pace or something I was like just stupid um and I really paid for it kind of in the last 30ks was yeah it was horrendous Mm. just felt terrible just had nothing so I was really keen just not to do that again Mm. Um, I guess that Ultra Trail Kosciuszko course had a significant amount of downhill to begin with last year, did it? Did it not? It did. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes yeah. it very difficult to pace, I suppose, when uh, you're feeling good, you, you, you're cruising yeah, along. I could tick off some Ks quickly and easily, and I just didn't. Yeah, just didn't have the experience to to know that that was. Well, I guess I did know that it was wrong, but I just yeah, I did That's it anyway. It. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to uh, you get that little guy on the shoulder to tell you the right things at that point, I suppose. I, I saw the same with um, Ultra Trail Australia in the Blue Mountains when they changed it to that largely sort of fire trail course. People were running downhill, you know, feeling okay, but really bit them in the ass on the way back up that hill. So it's, it's a difficult thing to get right quite clearly. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the hills in that um, Lonely Mountain Ultra probably – slow you down enough to to keep you honest there at the start so probably helpful yeah they do and yeah I was just really conscious to to take the hills really slowly up and down just yeah take them really conservatively at the start were were you doing a great deal of walking yourself on some of those hills um not in the first 50k not really but I was I wasn't walking. I, I walked a few of the ups, but generally I was running, but yeah, probably much slower than ordinarily or historically I would have done. Mm. And again, on the downs, just really being sensible and and pacing it. Yeah. There, there, was, there was a couple of tracks that was not easy to be sensible on running down there. That's for sure. Yeah. I uh, fell into that trap myself. <laughs> Yeah, uh, completely. But yeah, as it went on, like the the second loop and the third loop, I was definitely walking the most of the uphill, especially on, I think on the twenty two k loop. Anything that was uphill, I was walking. Yeah, okay. different oh. to Cozy, I was kind of walking strong. Like I felt like I was walking strongly rather than just kind of dragging myself up. Yeah, so you did feel like you you know you were racing it towards the end. Yeah. You still had some strength. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. It's nice not to be holding on for the death march towards the back end of 100K. So, yeah, well done. That's impressive. (laughs) 
And what does uh, nutrition hydration look like for you in a 100K race of that sort of nature? What are you taking on board? Um, yeah, really. yeah um, not entirely sure yet what it totally should look like. But again, I've been working a lot on that. Um, in Lonely Mountain, again, I think something that I managed to get right probably for one of the first times. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, so Tailwind... I use just kind of as a base um, and a a lot of gels. But this time I was having sandwiches. I had, every time I got back to the race hub, I had rice pudding, just one of those pots and just shoved a load in. Okay. Yeah, on the hills I was eating real food. So Vegemite sandwiches. Yeah, really? And and you feel like you can stomach that okay as as you're moving? Yeah, I do. Like in, I did in this in this one yeah there's been so some of the other races like the track and road no I have I generally would stick more to the gels but yeah I was able to get it in and and actually felt really good okay that's that's impressive and and what's do you have a sort of a ratio of when you take a gel in how how frequently you're taking that on board um every kind of 40 45 minutes as well Again, I haven't always done that in the past, but this time it was, I was just focusing on it. So yeah, it was pretty consistently every 40 to 45 minutes. Yeah, it's good. Oh, the, the, the plan certainly worked. That's great. Um, how, how do you go with that sort of transition? We're talking about sort of previous races there, transition between 100K track running and this kind of technical stuff. Do you... Uh, change much in your training schedule there or, or are you sort of just keeping fit in general terms yeah no it does change so for the track and road stuff uh, predominantly flat more like the longer runs are faster longer runs more tempo efforts um and when with the trails yeah just bringing in a lot more hills like instead of doing a tempo session twice a week it might be yeah tempo plus the hill session okay so you swap one of those speed sessions out yeah. For hills, yeah okay and putting the long runs yeah making them kind of trail and obviously slower pace mm-hmm. and it was quite a technical course out there at times do, do you practice a great deal of that stuff no and it's i, I need to like that's definitely mm-hmm. yeah an area for improvement yeah, <laughs> especially it's... the downhills i was kind of almost sliding down i think <laughs> <laughs> um, did you, so yeah, did you like, manage to stay on your feet okay or I did yeah I did okay. uh, well done. Why? yeah no I did um but technical yeah I definitely it's an area to improve on and and you're out uh northern beaches way where do you tend to get your your technical trail training um around the dam mm-hmm. kind of Manly dam is the closest that's kind of 10 minutes away there's some technical parts there yeah. Um, yeah, up around Bobbin Head as well. There's some good technical hilly sections. Yeah, great. Beautiful part of the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. very lucky. Yeah, it's um a few mountain bikers to dodge around the dam. Yeah. But, uh, apart from that, it's a <laughs> it's a great track. <laughs> um, so I've I've got some some questions in from uh, Coach Simone Hayes actually. So she's she she's jumped jumped online. Um, she, she wants to know, on a scale of one to ten, how compliant would you rate yourself as a as a protege? Um, it's 
one to ten, maybe around, I don't know, six-ish. Six, okay. It's not, it's not too bad. I probably started off, started off a lot lower than that. I've got better. <laughs> and so Sim's been coaching you for a number of years now. Um, so you started to see that she knows what she's talking about and being a bit more compliant now? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Learn that when I don't listen, things generally go wrong. So, and, and, and what has gone wrong? What uh, what has the lack of compliance sort of led to over the years? Just injuries. Like I've had um, a couple of stress fractures. One actually just before um, she started coaching me, one early on, um, a lot of hammy issues. So... Yeah, I think it's just accepting that, yeah, you've just got to have the rest and not mm-hmm. go all out all the time. And and how do you go with, with that, with, you know, easy days and rest days, that sort of stuff? Do you find it difficult? Yeah, uh, I think I, it depends where I'm at at the moment. I'm to, like loving it, like the kind of just easy, just kind of no pressure. Um, yeah, I don't love rest days. I normally at least take the dog out for a walk or do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not great with them. Not great with them. And, and look, how have you bounced back from those stress fractures? You, you you're feeling strong at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So the last one was I can't remember. It must have been it was probably two and a half years ago. And yeah, I I definitely I think I learned a lot from that, and that kind of made me really realise guess how important nutrition is all the time kind of day in day out nutrition um and just listening to your body like I'm a lot more aware now of when things start to hurt and kind of just yeah really being cautious with it rather than pushing through Mm -hmm. and was there an obvious difference in terms of I guess weekly mileage between you know pre-stress fracture and now or just being a bit more sensible in the way you apply it yeah I think just being more sensible um I can't really remember it but it was probably about I wouldn't have thought it's changed that much in fact it's probably if anything volume now has gone up Mm. um but yeah I'm just a lot yeah I just eat better more of the right stuff try and sleep a bit more and okay get the balance a bit better very uncomplicated I like it (laughs) sleeping well eating well doesn't need to be uh anything more dramatic than that that's for sure and look I I was I was looking back through uh I guess race results over a period of time there there certainly isn't anything in the archives there uh how how long ago did you start I guess competitively running Anna um uh probably probably when I started working with Sim so probably three years ago I hadn't really done much pre-kids I did quite a lot of marathons um did the sydney marathon as basically the first ever run i'd really done in 2008 and then we moved to hong kong for a couple of years and i did quite a few marathons but again there was no structured training i didn't really know what i was doing i was just going out and getting getting around okay. so it's really only in the last three years or so i think that i've started doing more and and going going out and getting around in a in a marathon. What what are we talking about? Are you sort of you know running three hours for this sort of stuff, or you know, <laughs> just get, just going and plodding along? I think my fastest was probably three twenty. Okay. 
It's not too bad off the back of no training, Anna, that's for sure. <laughs> I haven't done one since, uh, yeah, uh, only in training. <laughs> any uh, any desire to go back and have a, have a dig these days? No. No? <laughs> no. no. The, no, the longer I mean, stuff is still calling. Yeah, definitely prefer the longer stuff. Very good. And and, and I guess prior to all that, did, did you have a background in, in sport to, I guess, be able to achieve these long-distance um runs off the back of some sort of sporting background then? Um, I was always active as a kid, but it was never running or athletics type. I did play a lot of tennis. We played lacrosse at the school I went to, so I played a lot of lacrosse and netball, but then I went to uni and, yeah, nothing happened there other than a lot of drinking, but there was certainly no sport going on. So, no, not not really. I've always been active, but hmm. and, and look, I guess then went along the line there since starting some some professional coaching there. Did you realise you had a a talent for some some really long stuff, some hundred k racing? You know, I'd always wanted to do um, UTA hundred. It's still I've still never done it. Um, I've, I think I've been entered for the last five years and never actually managed to get to the start line. Um, I think I just wanted to see how far I could could go. Um, yeah, and actually, I lie. I had when we were in Hong Kong, I did do trail walker a couple of okay. times. So, yep. with a team again, it was kind of very last minute entries. With when we moved over there, there was a team looking for someone, and like, yeah, sure. Um, kind of a mix, like it was more of a run walk, but hmm. I had done it before and knew that I liked it and. Okay. Just like the challenge. Oh, that's great. It seems to be the catalyst for quite a lot of trail runners, actually, Oxfam. Um, <laughs> that, that was my my first trail run as well, 100, 100K trail race, so to speak. So, yeah, same same story. And and, and I guess that, that team team environment must have uh, uh, sparked your interest because you've ended up qualifying for the Australian team, you know, a couple of years running now. Um what what made you apply in the first place for for twenty twenty two hundred k championships? Um, Simone, okay. uh, no, the, I think I was training for UTA. Mm-hmm. Is that last? Yeah, it would have been training for UTA. Finally, I was like, it's going to happen, and it was cancelled. And I would never have thought of running hundred k on a road, let alone around a track, and she kind of called me up and say, what do you think? You know, want to give it a go? Mm. Um, so, yeah, sure. So, yeah, kind of switched in a matter of weeks from UTA training to preparing for a 100K track for the qualifying race or qualifying event. Um, having absolutely no idea what to expect, just went out and surprisingly quite enjoyed it. So... So this is off the back of not a great deal of actual long-distance track running at all? I'd never run on a track before, no. So your, your first run on a track was 100Ks? Yeah, I did do. I did one. I went up to Narrabeen like a couple of weeks before and just, yeah, I ran for a couple of hours there just to see what it was like. But, yeah, other than that, that was the only time I'd ever run on a track. <laughs> That's outstanding. Very good. And, and I guess that must have gone, you know, quite well. So you got a few things right or more things right than you got wrong on that day. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, quite enjoyed it. Once I kind of found, once I got into it, it, yeah, totally different, but just 
yeah, I enjoyed it. Just doing the loops, it's uncomplicated. You're not having to carry a load of stuff. And mm. every 400 meters, you've got access to, to kind of what you need. So Your support crew. Was that your husband, first support crew? No, it was Sim. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So you had someone who knew what she was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I just did. I just ran. I literally just ran and she would give me stuff. I would eat it, drink it. And mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. And and what time did you end up running for 100Ks around a track? The the first one, that one was 8.29. Okay. This year, shaved a couple of minutes off. Oh, amazing. That's yeah, so impressive. And, and and what did it feel like to get the call up for, for the Australian team? Yeah, it was very surreal. Um, just hadn't like a couple of probably like six weeks before that hadn't even been on my kind of radar. And here I was suddenly got the call up. I had to uh, quickly become officially Australian. I've been living here for 12 years, but and actually tick the final box to become fully Australian. So, oh, really? So it was literally just the box ticking scenario, though. You were all sort of yeah, set up and ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Luckily, wow. Well, um, we're glad glad to have you. Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, very good. And that wasn't a track championship, though, was it? That was. No, it was road. Road. Yeah. Okay. Good. And 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 a challenging day for you over in Germany for the. Uh, yeah. the worlds yeah it was a shocker I got it I think I must have actually tore my hammy a couple of weeks before um but you know I carried on trying to was determined to get to the start line a couple of days before I hadn't been able to run for the two weeks before at all a couple mm-hmm. of days before in Germany tried to go for a run and couldn't run more than a couple of hundred meters had to stop oh. somehow on the day I managed to run 40 or 50 k's not I mean not fast but I could actually run and then I literally had to walk the second half of it so wow yeah talking about a death march that's uh (laughs) that's brutal oh goodness gracious what was going through your head there I mean uh and DNF must have been like strong in the mind at that Uh, point I just I couldn't I was like we've that's the only other one that the family have come to I was like I've dragged everyone over they're all standing there my parents had come over from the UK so I've got to just finish it I've got to get it done and just head down just kept walking around that 7k loop are you joking there's a 7k loop as well (laughs) (laughs) it's so easy to pull out my goodness that's uh that's a next level mental strength (laughs) And, and look at how long did it take you to to bounce back after that sort of an injury um it was actually quicker than I thought I was I think actually later that year it was it was in the November of that year I was back I actually did the Bondi to Manly run kind of on my own mm-hmm. um so I managed to build that up back up okay for so October or November or whatever it was yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of uh the the Bondi to Manly do you still hold the fastest known time on that that track I think I do. I actually haven't looked, but um, yeah, I think I do for the unsupported. Yeah, one it is where yeah. Yeah, I, I looked. I looked it up today, and you yeah. have the FKT there. So yeah, yeah. at eight, eight hours thirty-two. So for anyone racing one night of Manly on the weekend, that's the time to beat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I was reading through your post actually for for Bondi to Manly, and you mentioned that you actually got lost a couple of times there. Oh. Um, how, how are Ooh. the navigational skills usually, Anna? Shocking, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Literally, I I get lost around the dam still. It's somewhere that I run all the time. Um, so maybe track racing is is my future because you can't get lost. I actually did get lost at Lonely Mountain as well. Once I didn't really get lost, but I went the wrong way once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I without fail will get lost. <laughs> it's still impressive, uh, fastest known time by getting lost a couple of times. So I would have taken that. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, and, and look, I've been told by some reliable sources that you you, you don't mind a, a beer and a good time at the end of a race. Did you did you manage to get stuck into a mountain culture or two at the end of Lonely Mountain? Yep. Oh yeah, love a beer. Um, not just after a race. Um, yeah, I did. Yep. Right at the finish line, the beer was handed to me, and yeah, it was great. It was great. That's for sure. I couldn't stop at one. Um, Straight to the pub afterwards. Yeah, fantastic. I'm actually heading up to Brookvale this weekend. Have you got any uh, tips for me on on breweries to head to? Oh, there's so many. Yes. Are you doing Bondi to Manly? No, I'm not. I'm just going straight to the brewery, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good ones. Freshwater brewing. Oh, there's so many around there. All right, I'll report back to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and look, tell me, Anna, what's uh, what's next on the agenda? Are we going to have another dig at getting to Ultra Trail Australia next year, or have you got other things on the cards? Yep, um, yep, I'm gonna make that my goal is to tick that one off next year for sure. Um, not sure earlier in the year, thinking about Tarawira maybe. Um, um but yeah, oh. Ultra Trail is definitely, I've just got to do it. Yeah, six-time lucky, they say, I yeah, think. exactly. <laughs> oh, I think, uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be no stopping you after getting through 4,000 metres of elevation up at Lonely Mountain. So, yeah, I think you're ready now. It's time to go. It is, yep. Fantastic. All right, well, thank you for your time. Um, congratulations once again on a cracking effort up up in Orange and, um yeah, relaying your story. Uh, we're happy to have you in the green and gold, that's for sure. <laughs> thanks, and thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries at all. Thanks, Hannah. Have a good night. Okay, Leo Peterson, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, unreal, mate. Congratulations on uh, picking up the win at the Lonely Mountain Ultra 32K. How did it go for you? Yeah, good. Uh, one of my first sort of real trail races over that 10K mark. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect after the, you know, the end of the long run sort of time of two hours. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was good to just have a bit of downhill towards the end of the race to uh, keep the legs turning over. And, um, yeah, we got there in the end. So, yeah, yeah very happy. Mate, fantastic. And an incredible time. I um I heard the race organisers thought you might have gotten lost somewhere because they weren't expecting someone to finish quite so early. Did um did they actually ask you if you'd taken a shortcut? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like uh unconfirmed, unconfirmed finisher, unconfirmed first place. So there's quite a lot of uh yeah, scepticism about if I actually had finished or run the whole race. So um yeah, five minutes later they had to come over and ask, oh, have you done much running before? And I was like, oh, kind of, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, he probably has. It's coming. 
yeah. I love it. Just a so cursory glance at you. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, um, yeah, again, like, I was surprised at the atmosphere down there. Just, um, yeah, I, you know, you're in some guy's field that he's let, let us come on his farm and, you know, park our cars there and mm. um, just take over the place, basically. And there wasn't much room to move at all. It was just packed with, with everything going on. And, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Yeah, really good. Yeah, mate, I thought they did a great job too. Um, yeah, but being out on the farm made a big difference, I think, just sitting around having a beer after the race. It was... Uh... Very relaxing. Yeah. Now, you got a bit yeah, of an affinity. Like a, uh, yeah. Sorry, mate. Oh, no, I just found that the, the coupling of the beer with with all, all these uh, ultra sort of style races is, um, yeah, it's catching on, that's for sure. Like, I don't know how they go the road racing, but uh, definitely popular out there. Yeah, I noticed uh, Sydney Marathon had the uh, non-alcoholic beer sponsor, whereas these guys had the real deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. We're tough out in the bush, you know. <laughs> you seem to have a bit of an affinity for Orange, mate. You've raced up there a few times over the years. Um, did you stay in the car this time? Uh, yeah. How did you know about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just doing, yeah, doing love, a bit I of research. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, Orange is awesome. Um, yeah, I love staying up the mountain there at Federal Falls Campsite. Um, just up there. Show, I guess, and uh, yeah, you can jog around. It turns into a bit of state forest and this and that through the area. And um, yeah, I do the Volcanic Challenge quite regularly every year since well, about five years ago, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, where well, you run up and down the few of the peaks out there. Yeah, magic. And yeah, magic. it's just uh, one of my favourite places. Yeah. Yeah. Left a couple of reviews at the local cafes too in town, so on Google. So uh, yeah. I'm sure they appreciated it, mate. Uh, it was my, actually my first first trip up to Orange, and it was a great town. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Plenty of uh, plenty of cafes, pubs, wineries, breweries that had, had everything. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely nice. So, uh, yeah, glad you had a good time out there. It's um, it's good to know it's just not not just me. I was out there a bit longer than you. I got to say, mate. Stick <laughs> over three yeah. hours, not the two twenty one. That was very impressive. Um, how'd you how'd you celebrate the uh, the victory? Did you stick around for the night? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a few of my mates were in town. They came up from Melbourne and Canberra, so yeah, sort of hung around with them for a fair fair while, which was good, and made some plans for future races and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, then camped back up the mountain the Saturday night, and uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah that was the weekend. Come back on Sunday. Beautiful, mate. And look, it, it seemed to be a step up in distance for you. Is this a, a bit of a trend you're planning on continuing or do you think you'll move back to the shorter stuff after this? Um, it's hard to say. You know, that 30K is sort of a bit of a, a gateway distance, I think, to the to the marathon sort of stuff, which you know, all those European races tend to go towards that, you know, marathon distance or that two to three-hour time frame of racing. Um so it's a bit of a learning experience and I mean, I feel like that's the direction you've got to go if you want to make the most of your trips overseas and that's, thing. Um, I've got a soft spot for the old mountain race, the up, up, down, sort of speed, speed over the, the slog up the mountain as you're coming up and then coming down. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely dabble in both still, but yeah, I think the longer stuff's got to, yeah, it's just got to happen. Otherwise, you know, the time. 
the time I've got left, you know, as, as this sort of level, it just, you know, will just start to diminish it. And, mm. Yeah, you got to get into it when you can. You can only be fast for so long, mate. That's for sure. Now, um, what, uh, what kind of heart rate were you maintaining for that two hours, 21? Were you sort of close to redlining the whole time or were you a bit more conservative than that? Uh, I think um, the first uh, 45 minutes was uh, just up to the top of the mountain. And towards the top, got quite slippery at, on some of the shaley rock there. Um, and that's when I think I, I hit red line about, yeah, the, one of the second and last climbs up to the very pinnacle there of Cannabalus. Um, so, yeah, I just had a bit of a walk for about maybe 20 or 50 metres or something. And then I was like regrouped a bit and then just kept jogging on um, on that. Sort of, I think it was about 170 average for the whole thing. So it's quite mm-hmm. quite solid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, towards the end, I think, I think it was just, um, yeah, it was just petering down, I think, cause all that downhill, uh, towards the end, it was just quite fast sort of the tempo we work. Um, but I seemed to just sit at about 160, I think, or, um, so yeah, I mean, the, definitely that first climb, you know, 45 minutes to an hour worth of, of work is, is always a push and. Just got to, I just always tried to stay composed. You know? So, yeah, I did well up until, yeah, almost the top where I had to be like, oh, waiting up, just turn it down a notch. You still got 20k, 20k to go. <laughs> I think there was uh, plenty <laughs> so, of other blokes walking a little bit earlier than that. That's for sure. Um, did, 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 you, <laughs> did you feel like you had plenty in the tank to actually bomb at home? Like, uh, obviously, being a longer race, do you feel like you got that that right? Yeah, that, it was an interesting section. As you, you know, how you come over the peak and then you you go on downhill for I guess another four or five k, and then there's a section called Wombat, yeah. Which uh, you climb, you scramble through that single trail, and you know you, you're trying to crawl through bushes and under these trees and and all that. So it was um, it was funny to have it. You know, I just felt like I had some decent legs to just climb up all through that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was like, oh. Well, that's yeah, the legs felt good, and then yeah, yeah I did just roll, you know, quite easily. I do a lot of um, sort of easy runs on this golf course at the moment, um, just just undulating grass. So it just reminded me a lot of that, you know, just a lot of these rolling sort of hills um, towards the end there. So yeah, I felt like the legs were alright, um, to be honest. Yeah, and a couple of days later, I think I was back. Went down the track actually with some mates, and we did some four hundreds. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I pulled up all right, really. It kind of knocked you around too much, mate. If you were doing a session on Tuesday, I think I had a week off. <laughs> Tell me, what are you um, what are you wearing out there, mate? Are you um, are you in trail shoes or are you in, in the road shoes for a track like that? Yeah, I just um, I knew the course super well, obviously. Um, so I was just in my Saucony um, uh, Endorphin Speed, so the the plastic plated Saucony's, mm-hmm. um, and I do I do all my like uh, sort of faster sessions in them. Um, so yeah, I just wore them what I'm comfortable in. Like I don't get any blisters after an hour and a half of sort of sessions if I wear them for that long. So yeah, I thought comfort and just yeah didn't need any super grip. They've got a bit of a um, their sole is still quite aggressively uh, designed with a bit of grip in it. 
So yeah, I was quite happy to just wear them and and roll through with those. Yeah. So no, did okay. you wear trail shoes? Uh, yeah, I did, but they, yeah, I guess they're probably fairly similar in terms of they weren't crazy luggy or anything like that. So, um, yeah, just had, uh, Salomon yeah. pulsars on, which are, you know, pretty minimal in oh, terms yeah. of their, uh, yeah, their, their soul and what have you, but I don't, didn't think you needed anything too, uh, yeah. too crazy in terms of, yeah, trail lug stuff. No, it's quite, um, track's fairly smooth and, um, yeah, the, the only slippery bit that I found was was it at the very top of the but they've just relate like redone that surface so it was just like super loose shale um mm. sort of crushed up shale which yeah it was yeah that's when i started to work really hard and i was like hang on a minute just chill on this bit and regroup um so yes that's yeah very good mate oh look i guess um just to give the listeners a bit of an idea where did uh running start for you mate have you always been uh into it yeah, like in uh, as a sort of a young fella, yeah, it was um, always in little athletics from about nine or ten. Um, wasn't very good, obviously, as a little little kid. And then as you go to high school, it got a bit better, and um, yeah, did cross country and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, just went and joined, uh, started my apprenticeship as a marine mechanic um, out of high school. Uh, um, so yeah, four or five years later. Uh, you know, start motorbike riding and get injured doing that. Um, and thought, what else am I good at that's, that I'm not going to get so, uh, you know, get so injured doing? And running was the next best thing, I thought, at the time. And, yeah, it was sort of eight years ago, and now here we are. But, mm. yeah, it's a good lifestyle, I think. Um, yeah, I'm going to all the places I used to ride my motorbike at, you know, towards Orange and and um, that sort of area is just so I'm just reminiscing the whole time of the good good stuff we did with just a different sort of collection of people really <laughs> yeah and I guess uh running down that trail of awesomeness towards the bottom of uh the, the, the track the mountain bike trails are running along in orange mate must have uh, brought back good memories yeah yeah oh those those are some good berms I was thinking I'd love to come back up that in the motorbike yeah yeah actually it's always in the back of my mind just um yeah we actually got up the mountain a few times on the Sunday and did a few uh, few downhill laps with the mountain bikes, and it was, it was a little bit easier than running down, that's for oh, sure. No. <laughs> so, look, when, when, when you got back yeah, in, no. into the running, mate, you um you look like you jumped into coaching fairly quickly. Uh, uh, what 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 made you sort of seek out a coach straight away? Um, well, I live near um, Rotary Athletics Field down in um, down the bottom of Marlborough Road there. I guess down from Chatswood and off Epping Road. Um, so I just ran down there and I started jogging laps and said, you know, who's the distance coach? And um, yeah, ran into a guy, Alan Nolan, who set me up for a good three years of, of just getting to come to terms with, you know. I thought, I, I, he's like, have you trained before? And I was, yeah, 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 I've done training before. And he's like, all right, well, this is your program. And I was like, I've never trained before. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just had no idea what I was in for, you know. You had to run every day. I was like, you what? what? Um, so, yeah, following that, um, yeah, I ended up just lining up with a mate of mine who's um, uh, Robin Whiteley, who's uh, got some PBs of 44 flat for the city to surf sort of style. Uh, um, run from maybe, uh, yeah, from sort of the 2000s sort of era. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
yeah, he's just uh, one of my good mates, and he's got his crowd of of um, mates. Then they just get together and make sadistic programs for me to follow, and and that's what we do now. <laughs> and is this the the Pertec Racing team? I was wondering what the connection was there. Mm. Yeah, so it hasn't officially dropped yet, but um, yeah, I, I work closely with our friends at Pertec, um, and so their motto is uh, "keeps you operating." So they do industrial hoses and obviously sponsor Bathurst uh, one thousand and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so we're looking to make a variation and it keeps you running. Oh, I love uh, it. To our sort of to our mission statement and uh, and yeah, just it's, they're a bit of a family for me, a second family. Um, I love what all the work they do. They have a, a Peter Duncan wing, a neuroscience wing at the St Vincent's de Paul you know, Hospital there, um, and it's just a yeah, based yeah, it came from New Zealand originally. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, I've got some close friends from New Zealand who've been affected by sort of brain uh, tumors and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, really so close to the heart sort of uh, family that, um, yeah, just promote the promote the brand, I guess, at the same time as joining their their family. So, yeah, that's that story. I love it, mate. It's it's not a bad uh, company to have yeah. backing you on, in the running game, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a, um, I mean, they're just there. They're not really to do with running at all, really. But, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, you don't need that sort of, support when you're working full-time like me you know i'm not out to you know i don't need to you know someone to give me anything you know just buy my own shoes and whatnot and <laughs> yeah it's good it's good to yeah it's good to just get out there and yeah run for a team as well so yeah it's nice love it mate i'll be following Pertec racing it's good and and look since yeah. that 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 uh, you know, initial sort of foray into the running. You, you you've represented Australia a number of times in in mountain running. Is it true you only took up this particular aspect because you broke up with a girl? Yeah, she uh, yeah, she oh, sort yeah, to a degree, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, I sort of been pretty much dumped, I guess. Not you know, <laughs> we were seeing each other. It wasn't official or legit, but I was like, look. I do have feelings there, so it hurt when it was like, you know, I don't want to see you again. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh, well, better go and put some, uh, put some pain on myself to to get over it. And the race was in, um, there's this race. Uh, what was it? It was in Tasmania, the mountain running champs that year, up Mount Wellington or Kunyani is the, um, the race is called now, I guess. And yeah, ended up doing that. Um, and at the end it was like, oh, you came third. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, what's that mean that oh, you can go to the world champs and the rest is history. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that, mate. So instead of, um, mm-hmm. you know, dyeing your hair purple and joining the gym, you've just started to run up and down a mountain instead. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah. I was just, uh, it was just one of those things. My family, um, sort of moved to Tasmania. My mum moved there after she retired. And my sister had been living there for some time before, just to sort of, it's a bit of an artistic community down there that um, they're both part of. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of an excuse to go down there, visit them. And, uh, yeah, so it was, a bit, it was a bit soft, you know, really. It was like, oh, I need to go see my mum, you know. And 
<laughs> but um, she was just like, get up the mountain, boy, and off we go. I'll sort you out, and it did. And, and by the time you got up the mountain, were you uh, over the ex-girlfriend? Absolutely. I think there's a photo of me just absolutely, you know, just destroyed. So I was, <laughs> definitely wasn't thinking about, about her. I was thinking about, I need a jumper and, uh, yeah, got <laughs> a cup of coffee, and that was, yeah. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. And so did you take up the offer for that, that, that first year for the World Championships? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, my coach at the time was Alan Nolan, who was uh, liaising with John, um, who was in charge of the mountain running uh, team, I think, at that stage, basically. And, uh, yeah, it was all new to me. So I actually got injured. Um, I strained a tendon in my um, in my calf. And so I didn't actually do much training leading up to that. So I think I came about 105th um, <laughs> that year. So it was it was pretty it was pretty grim time for me and it was sort of two months leading up to that of, of, of on the bike and you know go for a bit of a lap and then strain it again sort of style um injury and it was yeah it was pretty tough to you know get that sort of result been an amazing place like europe it was in andorra mm-hmm. um, which is a bit of a tax haven it's just pure paradise some of the lads i've noticed for the team on have started training there Yep. Um, we, tr- we stayed in Canillo, um, which is, yeah, fantastic place to train, about 1,500 metres elevation. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was tough. It's tough pill to swallow, you know. Um, really puts puts perspective on the level that you're at and the amount of effort you've got to go in, you know, put mm-hmm. in to do well at those events. I remember you know, you're in that, in the gondola coming down the mountain and there's, like, the women and some of the women that came in the top ten um, some of the English guys that did it similarly and just the veins are popping out of their legs and, you know, oh, like, oh I tapered this week. Yeah, I did only like 100K or something of running and I'm like, wow, like I ran like 20 or 30K. Like I just, yeah. uh, it was um, it was really an interesting and eye-opening experience as to if you want to do this, it's, you know, you've got to put 110% in. So, yeah, it was definitely a... A life-changing one, but yeah, yeah. And obviously, you have been back and and competed subsequently: Thailand, Argentina, Austria. Um, what what lessons mm. did you take out of that initial championships, and what did you change within your you know week to week training? Yeah, it was. Um, I think we're doing a lot of icing on the cake style training, so a lot of shorter, faster stuff. Um, that year, for example, I think I ran like a 157, 800, um, which is no good to you when you're, when you're running 10 minute Ks up a mountain at 2000 meters of elevation. Mm. Um, so yeah, ended up, um, doing a lot more aerobic work and, um, a lot more strength work. I did a lot of strength with that, uh, with Alan. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I think just boostering that that aerobic time on feet. So it went from in the last sort of five years, I guess we've gone from that sixty to seventy k mark a week up to probably one thirty to one forty these days. Um, but yeah, it's again lessons learned. I tell you, every championships like this year we went um, in Austria. Uh, it's just all these saunas and and uh, sort of uh, all these heat chambers. Just from all the skiing and that they do there, hmm. um, so 
I just found myself just like cooking myself, I think, in the in the other saunas and uh, yeah, yeah, infrared uh, heat chambers, I guess, before the race. So um, yeah, again, another interesting learning experience, but disappointing result. That's yeah, will stick in my mind. That's for sure. And, and and so do you think um yeah that that had a negative impact just the the heat training in the leader or the heat exposure I suppose yeah oh uh, yeah I think uh, I think so it was friend of mine's like well I was, he was watching me do all these things I'd send him pictures of yeah I'm in the heat chamber and he's like mate you've never done that before in your life um mm. and he's like well like he's done it and he's like oh, I'd spend like you know, a certain amount of time in there, and I was just like cooking myself, thinking this is great fun. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, in a training environment, you know, when it, you cycle on and off, and I'm sure there's a particular process. Uh, yeah, I was just having a blast and training and all it, you know, in these places. And uh, you know, obviously, I think I just pushed myself too hard and I'll lead it up, and and the results showed that, you know, on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's um yeah, there's nothing to hide there when you're out, you know. Yeah, no, just you know, just you in the mountain and race uh, is the race and yeah, 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 and uh, no amount of Red Bull before the race is gonna save you from a couple of weeks of having a having a blast up and down all those places and yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> How much Red Bull <laughs> is uh, a normal amount of Red Bull for you anyway? Oh yeah, I mean I just dabble with all that sort of stuff like uh obviously you know i get to work about quarter to six and then do a bit of a run um every second morning pretty much um yeah so yeah just see see what it's just what's required really um so before the race i'm not i don't shy away from if i need a, need a bit of a perk up you know even if it's in the afternoon so yeah it's yeah can here and there it's not going to hurt me i don't think but no, nah, it can only help. That's about, surely, that's me, yeah. surely. Yeah, look, surely, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's some good science there, mate. I think we can run with that for sure. Um, look, yeah. when you when you're building up to these sort of world championships, how much um, I guess vertical kind of training are you sort of getting through the week? Oh, um, it's hard to say. Maybe uh, I guess every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll try and do between 60 and 90 minutes on the golf course, which is, um, yeah, probably about 600 metres in total. Um, yeah, between six and 800, I guess, over, over the course of the week. Um, normally do a bit of a hill session once every 10 days. Um, and then Stairmaster, I've been dabbling in Stairmaster uh, since I took my hammy at the start of this year. Okay. Uh, um, so, yeah, get on the Stairmaster, like on... Uh, Tuesday, I did um, I don't know 480 st- floors, 480 floors. So I'm just still trying to work out what sort of vert that is, but maybe 1500 meters or something. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to think three meters per floor. I would have guessed. Yeah, maybe something like that. So they call it 12 or 1500 meters something, but it's not something I really track as the vert. I've really just upped my squat game to be honest um, at the gym. Okay. Um, just to, to get a bit more leg strength and yeah, just to make it a bit, yeah, just to numb the legs a bit. I think after uh, at the end of that sort of two hour mark is 
it's what I'm aiming to do really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're managing to squeeze a couple yeah. of gym sessions in with that 140k week? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um, one or two during the week and then on the weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't spend long there. But yeah. It's about a 35 to 40 minute. Um, yeah. Non-stop sort of. Uh, sort of session you just do some arms or core in between your leg stuff yeah do squat uh seated calf raise and the glute hammy bridge mm-hmm. um so yeah we just do that and then and yeah some a lot of tricep work to be honest like tricep dips and all that trying to yeah keep the upper body yeah functional but not super bulky too bulky so yeah get ready for using those poles when you go to europe next yeah that's what i was thinking i'll have to get a set <laughs> Mate, you definitely will. Just to fit in over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, the forty k for Austria was just wild. I think it just it was just essential. So, yeah, mate. Um, what, what, when you are doing this sort of training for the, the the mountainous stuff, like, do you tend to to lose a bit of speed? I mean, you you broke thirty minutes for ten k sometime last year. Um, do you reckon you can sort of get into that kind of shape on, on the flat stuff now? Yeah, I mean that's un official for that Sydney 10 course but um yeah like I just uh I did a um, fun run before that um for the orange race and just cruised around uh it's pretty flat down around Penrith Lake in about 31 flat um so I'm pretty it's one of those things you're increasing I guess your uh, your fitness and I do a lot of uh variation in sessions so you know, some sessions I'll run up and down the golf course for 1K reps in 3-minute K pace. I guess the next next session I'll do is, yeah, it could be a lot slower uh, up and down a hill or something. And, um, yeah, I think it just – the speed's always going to be there, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't see, I don't see um, dropping too far off that 30 to 31-minute mark uh, for the 10K, even if I'm just doing a lot of strength work. Um, yeah, I love it. Master, yeah, I just haven't. Yeah, I, I just variations the key, I think. Yeah, my mate Robin, who or Coach Robin is, um, yeah, he's in charge of all of that, but he just knows that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love the change in in sessions and changes in paces, and and yeah, yeah, six to twelve weeks later, it's is when you see any sort of benefit, really, and yeah, mm. it's just. It's a long, it's a long process, I guess. Yeah, look, you, you seem like you, you sound like you take a fairly no frills approach to the to the training. Do you do you think that sort of helps when the going gets tough on race day, not sort of worrying too much? Yeah, and no, I'm a big believer in it's on the day. <laughs> um, you know, you can yeah, you can look into your your opponents, I guess, as much as you like, but um, you know, at the end of at the end of it, yeah, I. For race day, it's just um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty relaxed, excited for the races I'm excited about. Otherwise, um, if I'm not really interested in the race, like I signed up for the there's a 10k down in Melbourne, this Grand Prix one, mm-hmm. um, race race around Albert Park, I think, and like work was just catching up with me, and and I wasn't feeling super fresh, and I was just like, oh, you know, I'm not really interested. In just going down there just to race, you know. You know, I was looking more forward to going and seeing my mates and going on Orange and and getting more out of out of the experience than just 
getting on a plane, mm. having an early night, racing, getting a PB or not, doesn't matter. Showing you PB or not, it just is like I just wasn't important to me at the end of the day. So yeah, I didn't go. Yeah, right. You got to find that why somewhere, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and like if I was feeling fresher, maybe. But at the same time, like I wanted to see my mates, you know, along the way, Great Ocean Road drive down, spend a few days, you know. Yeah, just a, yeah, different approach, I guess. I just, I was probably not fast enough to be at that pointy end really of the field yet. But yeah, that's where I'm at the moment. Very good, mate. I've I've heard you talk about your start line philosophy is. Uh... Just charge. Where where do you draw that one from? Oh, just charge. Is that what I? <laughs> Maybe. Um. <laughs> yeah, probably Leggett. I used to be named Leggett Leo because uh, oh, when I was doing tape, a lot of the boys were from the country, and so I was the city boy, and I'd be like crossing the road, and I'd be like, all right, Leggett, um, to run across <laughs> in front of the car. So all, all of a sudden, I'm Leggett Leo, but um. <laughs> Nothing to do with me running because I didn't run back then. But oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to hit the runners. Uh, I think I'd say probably more than anything, just leg it, Leo. I like that. that yeah, might it's stick. good. That might stick. <laughs> uh, yeah. And 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 mate, do you yeah, think you are? Funny, right? You think you run faster or with or without the man bun? I notice you're not sporting it at the moment. Mm. Yeah, work's definitely happy about that. Um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah. I'd probably run faster with the man bun, to be honest. I mean, you got to watch out for people catching you with, you know, grabbing it. So, <laughs> um, no, nah, it's a, uh, I'd love for it to make a return, but it's, yeah, I go through these phases, you know. You got to be professional at some stage, mate, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. I think I trimmed it off to go for a, to apply for another role. So, <laughs> that's, that's probably what. <laughs> What's, what was its uh, final final outing? Yeah, but... final demise. Well, mate, um, what's uh, what is yep. next on the agenda for you now? Are you are you looking to go longer at this stage, or what, what's the next race on the cards? I booked in with a mate of mine to go do this Four Peaks race this weekend, um, which is yeah next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Yeah. Oh, uh, very good. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that the Alpine Challenge um, would be interesting to see how we go. It's a lot of it, um, mate. You'll you'll absolutely yeah. love it. Bright is the best spot in the world to go running. You'll you, you'll have a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm super stoked. Um, I'm taking the old man um, as well. Yeah, good to good to have him. Now he's uh, be seventy three uh, this year. So yeah, it's going to be good to, good to have. Have him out there as well, and and uh, and yeah, get get into it. So yeah, four days of run up a mountain. So, mate, there's there's yeah, nothing so better. Me and then oh, Cozzy. Yeah, and I think I'm doing I'm doing the Cozzy 27. Okay. Oh, very good, mate. Getting some um some altitude. Yeah. That, that'll be amazing. That'll be amazing. All right. Well, look. Yeah. Congr- congratulations yeah, once again yeah. on uh, a, a very impressive performance up in Orange, and um, yeah, representing Australia over a number of years now. Uh, all the best for for the Four Peaks race and for Ultra Trail Cosy Oscar, and uh, yeah. look forward to seeing uh, see yeah, 
see your form over the next few years, mate. Get those running poles going. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. I'll see you out there. Yeah. No worries. Thanks, Leo. Cheers, mate.